Today we learned that while Assassin's Creed Valhalla is getting another year of DLC from Ubisoft, that is not the case for Watch Dogs Legion. Good morning! Good Tuesday morning to you! I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for January 25th, 2022. It comes bright and early every weekday to our patrons who pledge at patreon.com sifted, and it's delayed a couple days for everyone else. If you like our content, we also have a separate podcast feed for our flagship show, Game Face, that you can find by searching your favorite podcast service. You'll find the podcast versions of the rest of our content in the same feed where you found this. Parents always say that they can't pick a favorite child, but that's exactly what Ubisoft has done in deciding to continue to support Assassin's Creed Valhalla for another year, but completely bailing on Watch Dogs Legion. This has led me to ponder what it is about the two franchises that makes one more popular than the other. I think it could be argued that the Watch Dogs franchise is actually significantly more innovative than the Assassin's Creed franchise at this point. Essentially what you're getting with Assassin's Creed in 2021 and 2022 is the same game with a different rapper. And I don't think that's hyperbole. If you think back over the last couple Assassin's Creed games, they got bigger, the open world got bigger, but can you think of too many things that really push the envelope? I can't. Now let's take a look at Watch Dogs. If you remember, Watch Dogs Legion had this cool play as anyone aesthetic. We are constantly recruiting people from the streets of London to join your squad. And then as you play as them, they level up. And there were fun videos that showed grannies pulling heists. And it seemed like the sky was the limit. Now, granted, in practice, a lot of those ideas didn't work out as well as I know Ubisoft hoped, and probably for most players as well. But at least those development teams are trying, trying to do something new, trying to bring innovation to the open world action adventure or action RPG, depending on how heavy the role-playing elements are in a particular game. And maybe at the end of it all, it's that consumers chose the winner. It wasn't Ubisoft who had to pick its favorite child. We did that picking for Ubisoft. But why have we resonated so much more with the Assassin's Creed franchise than the Watch Dogs franchise? Now I'll say this. There are few game debuts that stirred up feelings among players the way the first Assassin's Creed did. It was just one of those watershed moments in gaming. I think most people who are serious into games will remember kind of what they were into, who they were hanging out with, all that type of stuff when the first Assassin's Creed was announced. Since then, I don't know that that would be the case. Now let's rewind on Watch Dogs. Same deal. The debut for Watch Dogs was a stunner. People were, people were excited. People were jacked up. And then we finally got footage of real in-engine gameplay. And I think that excitement, I wouldn't say that 
Ubisoft tossed a bucket of water on it, but at least maybe a Dixie cup. And then it feels like it's been a struggle ever since for the franchise to live up to that initial debut. Another franchise I would say the same about is Killzone. Remember that bullshot Killzone trailer that everyone freaked out about? And then we saw the real game, and it was still a great, and the game still was a good to great shooter. But it didn't look like that debut still, and it wasn't good enough for us. So I don't know if Watch Dogs, if the well was poisoned early on, and it's been struggling to overcome that, but the amount of work that went into Watch Dogs Legion, and we've heard the tales of development crunch and other issues that popped up during the development of Watch Dogs Legion. If Ubisoft went through all that, and the game hasn't been successful enough to where it feels like it should support it with another year of DLC, in a year that Ubisoft has very little, I would add, it doesn't bode well for the future of Watch Dogs either. I'm seriously questioning right now whether we'll see another game. But going back to my original question, why does Assassin's Creed do so well in Watch Dogs struggles? When it comes down to it, setting and context matter. And I think it could be argued, and this is probably a case study for that, to the vast majority of players, setting, context, story, matter a lot more than flashy new things. Matt has said this over and over again on Game Face, that he will take a rote game where everything is perfect over an innovative game where maybe everything isn't. And it appears that he is not in the minority. So it appears Ubisoft did not get enough support for Watch Dogs Legion. It's had its final update. That might be the final update on Watch Dogs. Now I'll say this. Ubisoft doesn't really let its IP die. Maybe it'll just be a hiatus. Maybe... I don't know. If they can't get the concept to work on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and high-end PCs, then maybe the concept was just too high. The heights that Ubisoft had to reach were unattainable, particularly back when the franchise launched. If they still can't do it now, who knows if they'll ever get it done. So say la vie, watchdogs. I can't say that even I liked it more than Assassin's Creed. I think I just liked the stories, the concept, the dual setting... While it's not particularly clever in its design, the setup of the game is, and I would argue Ubisoft hasn't done a great job of maximizing that duality in the plot as it did in the early days of the franchise. It's still there, and I think that's enough to kind of pull fans along every time they release a new one. Now for some more stories from the top of your SIFs, Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin is going to launch on its launch date on March 18th. Today we got quote unquote the final trailer for the game. If you're not familiar with it, it is essentially a Dark Souls-like action RPG set in the Final Fantasy universe and based loosely on the first Final Fantasy, which is going back a long ways. Uh, The game is built by Team Ninja, the studio that creates the Ninja Gaiden games. The combat you would think would be amazing, but I played it during the beta and I was kind of disappointed. But 
The good news is, no more delays for the game. It is absolutely coming out on March 18th. Another game that people are looking forward to that also is not going to miss its release date is Elden Ring. We got official confirmation today that the game has gone gold, and this is the next in the line of the Dark Souls franchise from the people who make Dark Souls from software. There was a beta test about a month and a half ago. Everyone who likes Dark Souls that played that beta loved it. So if you're one of those people, this is a game to be very, very excited about. In addition to announcing that the game has gone gold, From Software did a huge 45-minute presentation from the Taipei Game Show. You can find that on Sifted if you just search for Elden Ring, if you want to check it out yourself. Tons of new details that I'm not going to spoil here, but really the big deal is that Elden Ring has gone gold and there will be no more delays. Dying Light is finally closing up shop to make way for Dying Light 2. Its final event is called Spike Story, and the first phase of that runs until like January 28th. That game is officially seven years old at this point. And Techland, as you can see, is supporting this game to the very last day until it passes the baton onto Dying Light 2. If you're eyeing Dying Light 2 for a purchase and it comes out on February 4th, looks like no delays for that either. But if you're eyeing that game up, the way Techland treated the first Dying Light, it is a really, really good sign that it's probably going to be worth a full price purchase, provided the game is actually solid and fun. It's hard to have many reservations that if you buy the game at full price, that you're not going to have new content to play seven years later. It's crazy. Seven years. And then finally, Valve's Steam Deck, which is basically Valve's attempt at the Nintendo Switch, but in the PC environment, just got a new feature called CloudSync. CloudSync allows the Steam Deck handheld to be connected to the PC or docked like a Switch and continue play on your PC without shutting it down. This is a new feature for Steam Deck, which still isn't in people's hands yet, but they should be shipping out here pretty soon. The good news is, if you truly got the Steam Deck to emulate the environment of the Nintendo Switch, the ability to play games handheld, and then immediately switch and play them on a television or a computer monitor, it's coming. Now, developers will have to implement the API into their games, so old games being played on Steam Deck probably aren't going to work. But hopefully, since it's now a part of the API, that any future PC game will be compatible with it, and you may even see a few publishers and developers go back and polish up some stuff just to make it compliant with all of the Steam Deck's features. We've talked about the Steam Deck on Game Face a couple of different times, and Matt and I kind of agree that it's really kind of a luxury item, and we struggle to kind of figure out where we would use it personally. But if you have a huge PC games library, we totally understand where you could get a lot of value out of Steam Deck. And if you pre-ordered one, you should be getting it soon. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight.
Okay, welcome to today's boss fight, where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. A lot of you guys heard about my struggles to get home from the holidays this last holiday season. I ended up stuck in central Pennsylvania for an extra nine or ten days, longer than I was supposed to be back there due to COVID and due to flight issues and due to snow and all these random stuff that came together to keep me trapped there on the East Coast. And while I did get bored and I really wish that I had taken a Switch or some gaming console with me for my trip, it did afford me a good bit of time to spend with my family. And that was certainly the bonus. While I do not have kids of my own, I have tons of brothers and sisters, and they all have kids. In fact, a lot of them have two or more kids. So I have lots of nieces and nephews. And I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm not the young strapping lad I was when I first started at GameSpot back in 2000. And one thing I'm kind of concerned about with as far as being a critic and being a critic that actually has some value, is getting too old. And by that, I don't mean my reflexes are getting slower, my eyesight isn't good, none of that stuff. I can still play games fine. Surprisingly, my Twitch muscles are still doing pretty good. I'm I'm pretty happy with that part of getting old. It's more about perception and how I perceive games and how I perceive the people who play games. So I have lots of nieces and nephews They range in age from, let me see, 5 to 12, roughly. Almost split evenly between boys and girls. And the holidays are always my chance to kind of be around younger people, really young people, because again, I don't have kids of my own, and understand or try to understand what it is that they like and what, what it is that they love. Not just in games, in everything, but specifically with games. And they, it's interesting, they don't realize that I am paying so much attention to them when they play video games. And they're just kind of off in their own little world having fun. And I am, it's almost like I should pull out a notepad and and start taking notes. I mean, that's how astute I am when I watch them interact with games. And because I had so much more time to be around them this holiday season... I discovered some pretty interesting things. First of all, they love Switch. All of them. Every single one of them has a Switch. Some of them have multiple Switches. They all have them. They all love them. They all treat them like complete trash. (laughs) When I was a kid and I got a gaming console, I treated that thing like gold. I remember one time one of my friends came over and accidentally kicked my Atari 2600, and I literally almost had an aneurysm. But these kids, maybe they've just, they're trained to know that these things are really durable, but they just throw them wherever. I saw one of my nephews throw a switch from the sidewalk five or six feet into the back seat of the car that he showed up in. Didn't care. It bounced off the seat and like bounced off the door of the inside of the car. He didn't care. And all of them treated their switches that way. Their screens were so filthy and disgusting, I could hardly see what was on the screen. Also, I would add, almost every single one of them had analog stick drift. And the hilarious part was, when I mentioned it to them, they had never really noticed it. They had, but they hadn't. 
I said, oh, you have analog stick drift. And my one nephew goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, your character is moving without pushing the stick. And you, I saw this light bulb go off in his head where he was like, yeah, that's been driving me crazy. And I thought it was just me. And so then I go through the process of telling their parents, you can get it replaced for free. And this is a website that you go to. I am the official game guru of the family. If anyone has questions about games, they come to me. And I'm totally okay with that. I would prefer that because I can keep them from wasting their money. The other thing I noticed, Fortnite is their kickball. So in my neighborhood, we go out, we play. And inevitably, by the end of the day, almost every single day, there was a neighborhood-wide kickball game. Even sometimes you would get the parents to join in as they pulled into the driveway coming home from work at 5 o'clock or whatever, and the game would be going on in the side yard. You'd have them come over and you know take a couple kicks or whatever. That's what it was like for me to be a kid. These kids, it's Fortnite. It's very interesting how a lot of their identity is built into whatever they've done in Fortnite. One of the biggest blow-ups at the holidays for me was when all the nieces and nephews got together for a dinner and they all started pulling out their Fortnite V-Buck cards and started adding up how many V-Bucks they had and trying to see who had the most. And when one niece realized that she had the least of everyone, she threw a tantrum. And <laughs> the one who had the most did a dance around the room. It's very interesting how... It drives their behavior. And I even heard a couple of my brothers and sisters using V-Bucks as a leverage tool for discipline. I'm going to take your V-Bucks cards. If you, and they straightened right up. I'll say this too. The gap between boys and girls as far as playing games is completely gone. When I was a kid, I can't think of a single girl friend that came over and played video games with us. Not one. All the girls, all my nieces play games. All my nephews play games. They play. They all play Fortnite, but they also have a side game. And the side game seems to be different for the boys versus the girls. For the boys, it was Mario Kart 8. It was Super Mario Odyssey, stuff like that. And for the girls... That second game was almost exclusively Roblox. And this holiday season was the first time I really understood just how big Roblox is. It is gigantic. The boys and girls were comparing their V-Bucks cards. There was a little subset of them who were comparing their Roblox points. I don't even know what they're officially called, but they all had their Roblox gift cards and they were adding up how many credits they had for Roblox, just like they were for Fortnite. And that's a huge change. When I was their age, there were no points cards to buy. There was nothing like this. Either you got a video game or you didn't get a video game. And that was pretty much it. And if you didn't get one that you wanted, you tried, you tried to find a friend who did get it so you could actually play it. Or maybe trade a game with that friend that they're waiting to play. It was a completely different world. Games also feel disposable when you're around them because they don't care about the game as much as they care about their presence in the game. 
they like Fortnite and they talk about Fortnite, but it's not about the game. It's about what they, what their character looks like in the game. How many cosmetics they have. Do they have um, the cosmetics that were hard to get? It's almost like they sit around talking about Pokemon cards or trading Pokemon cards. It's, it was refreshing to be around them and see this whole other side of the industry that I rarely partake in at all. I dabble, but they live it. Another thing I would say too is that gaming comes in and out of their day spontaneously. When I was a kid, and I hate to be this whole like, when I was a kid, get off my lawn. I'm not saying that at all. But when I was a kid, it there was time set aside for me to play games. I got home from school. I did my homework, I had dinner with the family, and then I had maybe an hour to play games before I had to go to bed. On the weekends, my parents were like, okay, you can play from 12 to 3. That's not the way it is anymore. They have their Switch, and they're slinging it all over the place. They forget where it is. It gets stuck in between couch cushions. Somebody sits on it. They're like, oh, here's your Switch. And they pick it up, and then they play two races of Mario Kart, and then they throw it down, and then they go and play with their indoor basket. And then... But they always return to the gaming. But they don't sit down and play it for extended periods of time. Now that could be ADD, attention span problems. But again, the way they're playing games, completely different from the way it was when I was a kid. So while it was good to be around them and see how they interact with gaming and hardware and things like that, one thing I did realize is that their gaming world is so detached from mine. I am... I am really a hardcore gamer compared to them. You know, they have, like, some of them do have a lot of games, but they tend to find, like, one or two that they really like and just keep playing them. My one nephew had almost every moon in Super Mario Odyssey, for example. That's not easy. But meanwhile, he had 12 games on his Switch that he had hardly played at all. So they do tend to find a couple games that they really like, and they stick with them. Whereas people like us, we're constantly playing what's the hot new thing, what's it, they have no understanding of that. In fact, my nieces and nephews, I have told them hundreds of times what I do for a living. And they'll say, okay, yeah, all right, okay, Uncle Shane, all right. None of them understood what I did until this holiday season when someone in the house decided to put on a YouTube video of me. And then they got it. Their eyes got so wide. It's so interesting because they're young enough that they don't understand how easy it is to get on YouTube. They haven't tried it yet. Well, one of them has, but most of them haven't tried it yet. So when they they look at people on YouTube the way I used to look at people on TV, like they're superstars. And all it took was them seeing me on YouTube and their eyes got big, and they're like, oh my gosh, Uncle Shane's like a celebrity. It's hilarious. It's just this whole other way of looking at things. And it was refreshing. Um, I think it was good for me. I think personally, I think also professionally, I think it'll help me with things that I do here on the site. And there are definitely times where I'm like, if I had kids, I might be doing things a little bit differently. But I do like that, best of all, I get to be fun Uncle Shane, who shows up at Christmas, I buy them fun stuff, I hang around with them, I play games with them, I play board games with them, I break all their new toys, and then they get cranky, and they go home with my sister or my brother. So while I feel like if I had kids of my own, it would it would be beneficial to what I do um, as a vocation and also personally, 
it's always nice when the night ends and they start getting hungry or sleepy and they start getting whiny and we go our separate ways. But anyway, it was, uh, it was a, in some ways it was one of the worst holidays ever. In some ways it was the best holiday ever. Most importantly, reconnecting with the younger people in my family gave me a whole new perspective on games, gaming, gaming culture, or the lack thereof in 2022. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate everyone for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I'm Shane Satterfield, and you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at Dinfire. And while you're at it, follow Sifted at Sifted Games. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Until then, make sure you seize today, because there will never be another. Another.